Hello and welcome everybody. It's so good to see you out of church today. We're so glad that you are here. If you have a major way to seat, then please come and find one. There's plenty scattered around the place. It's so good that you're here. We are genuinely so glad to have you. We're going to start our service by worshipping together. So can I ask everybody to stand to their feet and we'll begin. There's freedom in him, there's wonderful power in the blood. Would you be free from your passion and pride? Come for a cleansing to Calvary's tide. Run to the Savior, his arms open wide. There's wonderful power in the blood. There is power, power, wonder-working power In Jesus' blood, in Jesus' blood There is power, power, resurrection power In Jesus' precious blood Would you be pure like the whitest of snow? Sin stains are lost in its life-giving flow. Mercy and triumph and all this I know. There's wonderful power in the blood. Oh, there is power, power, wonder-working power in Jesus' blood. In Jesus' blood, there is power. Resurrection power in Jesus' precious love. Now the cross has spoken. I am free by the precious blood that He shed for me. I am raised to life and my soul secure by the power of Christ and His precious blood. Now the cross has spoken. I am free by the precious blood that He shed for me. I am raised to life and my soul secure by the power of Christ and His precious blood. There is power, power, wonder-working power in Jesus' blood. In Jesus' blood there is power, power, resurrection power in Jesus' precious blood. There is power, power, wonder-working power in Jesus' blood, in Jesus' blood, there is power, power, resurrection power, in Jesus' precious blood, in Jesus' precious blood, in Jesus' precious blood. Praise you, God. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. It's so good to be in church today. I hope that you feel the same. Hope that it feels good for you to be here. I don't know what your journey looks like, but you know this song that we're about to sing, it talks about the journey that many of us go on. 
that, that journey of what it looked like before we met Jesus. And then as we meet him and he transforms our lives and we see, we begin to see for the first time the purpose that we have been given. And I pray that today, if you have never seen that, if you don't know that, then I hope that today you discover that. You discover that you're here on purpose, for a purpose, and to give God glory. We're going to bring glory to the name of Jesus this morning as we sing. Thank you, church. I was a wretch. I remember who I was. I was lost. I was blind. I was running out of time. Sin separated the preachers far too wide. But from the far side of the chasm, you held me in your side. So you made a way across the great divide. Left behind heaven's throne to build it here inside. But there at the cross, you paid the debt I owe. Thank you, God. Broke my chains, freed my soul. For the first time I had hope. Thank you, Jesus, for the blood applied. Thank you, Jesus, it has washed me white. Thank you, Jesus, you have saved my life. You brought me from the darkness into glorious light. You took my place, laid inside my tomb of sin. You were buried for three days, but then you walked right out again. Now death has no sting, and life has no end. For I have been transformed by the blood of the Lamb. Thank you, Jesus, for the blood applied. Thank you, Jesus, it has washed me white. Into glorious light, and there is nothing stronger than the wonder-working power of the blood, the blood that calls us sons and daughters. We are ransomed by our Father through. Than the wonder-working power of the blood. 
sons and daughters we are ransomed by our father through the me why thank you Jesus you have made my life you brought me from the darkness into glorious light you brought me from the darkness into glorious light sorrow and dead in my sin lost without hope with no place to begin your love made a way to let mercy come Death was arrested and my life began. Sing Ash was redeemed, church. Ash was redeemed, only beauty remained. My orphan heart was given a name. Thank you, God. grew quiet my feet rose to dance when death was arrested and my life began oh your grace so free washes over me you have made me new, now life begins with you. Released from my chains, I'm a prisoner no more. My shame was a ransom he faithfully bore. Cancel my dad and he called me his friend. That's when death was arrested and my life began. Oh, oh, your grace so And let love pouring down on us. 
Jack, I said I left the, the red one, it's the other one. Praise God, hallelujah. Is that how you're feeling this morning, church? You're free? Amen, because I know there were some in here who doesn't feel that. Your face, your lips may be singing it, but you're not feeling it. And I have a wee verse of scripture to encourage each and every one of us this morning. Because God wants you to feel it. He wants you to be del delivered from the bondage that you're going through, your trials. This is the wee first, and you probably know it. I'm sure a lot of people know it. Habakkuk 3, verses 17 to 19. And this is what it says. Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, the produce of the olive fail, and the fields yield no food. The flock will be cut off from the fold and there'll be no herd in the stalls. And Habakkuk was feeling it. He was feeling it. Everything around him, he was going through the trials and the tribulations and he was seeing the nation of Israel and they were worshiping all their gods. God says he's going to send the Babylonians who were worse than they were. And he turns around and he just says, look, I, I know, in, in layman's terms, 
Everything just seems to be going wrong. And maybe somebody's feeling that they got this morning. Everything just seems to be going wrong at the minute. But let me quote the next verse. It says a wee word. Sometimes there's wee words like but in scriptures because there's something else coming. This wee word is yet. Regardless what he was going through, regardless of his circumstance, this is what he says. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy. Now get this. I will take joy in the salvation of my God. So whatever you're feeling this morning, physically, emotionally, you can rest in his salvation. What does salvation mean? Deliverance, set free. You will be rescued. So not only as we come around the table this morning, you may be feeling that physically. Spiritually speaking, he's the God of our salvation. That will be our joy this morning, regardless of what we're going through. Now, that takes a lot of effort. That takes a lot on our part because talking to some of the congregation in our private times, I know what some of these are going through. I just want to encourage the whole church this morning, yet. Just yet. Even though regardless what you're going through, yet. I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. Why? Because he is the Lord of my strength. So he will get you through this. He will encourage you. He will draw near to you. Because he's the God of your salvation. Not just for your sins. In all aspects of your life. And I just think that's wonderful as we come around the table this morning because it ties in so well what Christ did for each and every one of us at the cross because he had to deal with our sin the just for the unjust and I just love that that he took upon himself the wrath of God for you and for me so listen, if you're even a, a visitor in the church this morning, we bid you a very warm welcome. If you love and serve the Lord, if you know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, please feel free to take of the, the cup, the wee emblems, there should be a, a wee container on your chair. And we say this all the time, but I love saying it. Why? Because there's always visitors coming in. It's great. You're more than welcome. And church, you know you are too. If you peel back the first lure, it will reveal the, the wafer. I'm going to read some scripture. We'll pray and we'll take it together. When we, we sit in our house, every dinner time, every dinner time, we get together and we give thanks. Every dinner time. We do it as a family. Obviously, my family's scattered now, but sometimes it's just me and Patricia. <laughs> We're looking at each other. It's just a look at my face. But when the kids come home, we always do it. Why? Because it's lovely. So to, together this morning, as a family of God, 
We'll take of the bread together. We'll take of the cup together. Do you know what? We're in this together. That's why God, uh, Christ instituted the church. That we would have fellowship with one another. We read the scriptures. Love one another. Comfort one another. Strengthen one another. And this is what it's all about. So we're coming together. We're going to take the bread and the cup together. Oh, hallelujah. Blessed be your name. Oh, hallelujah. Can we just all close our eyes? And let's draw a picture in our mindset if we can. And we'll have a glimpse back of Calvary. Because it was there that the Lord Jesus Christ laid down his life. They didn't take it from him. He laid down his life for you and for me. He willingly carried out the will of the Father. For you and for me. And you know what? You might be in our congregation this morning and you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Do you know what? He died for you too. Why? Because he wanted you to have a relationship with God the Father. And to have a relationship with God the Father, you have to go through him. There's no other way. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. We exalt you in this place this morning. We elevate you above everything else. And help us, Lord, with your strength to elevate you above what's going on in our lives. To Lord, give us the strength to focus on you and not our troubles. For this time in your presence this morning, that, Lord, you've come to bless us, to encourage us. But, Lord, we have came to worship you, to exalt you, to sit at your feet, to hear from your servant, from your word. That, Father God, what we hear will change our lives forever because it's came from you. That when we take your word, Lord, we take it and we hold on to it. Oh, Lord, because they're truths. They're promises that you have made and you won't break them. Oh, we exalt you in this place, Lord. Touch your people, Lord. I pray for those who who might think this morning, oh, I'm not worthy to take of this cup. We bind you, Satan, in Jesus' name. Oh, Lord, your children are hurting, Lord, and I just pray that you would raise them up. And Lord, that you give them the mindset this morning that they are worthy because they're washed in the blood of the Lamb. Oh, blessed be your name. Oh, we exalt you in this place, Lord. Oh, thank you, Lord, that you are one of our number. Well, Lord, we're so excited about that, Lord. That this isn't just a holy club, but we've came to meet with Almighty God in this place this morning. What an honor that is, Lord. What a privilege that is, Lord. The God who created the heavens and the earth would want to commune with us. But I thank you, Lord, that that's what you set out to do. Because of sin, Lord, that barrier was put up. But thank you 
for Jesus Christ, your son, who made a way. Oh, blessed be your name. Blessed be your name. First Corinthians says, For I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you. That the Lord Jesus, in the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And we had given thanks, he take and said, Eat. This is my body which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. Father God, we thank you for the privilege this morning to sit at your feet and to take these emblems. This wafer that represents your body. It's not your body. It represents your body. Father, what a privilege to do it with the congregation of Living Hope Belfast. Our brothers and our sisters. And together, Lord, in one voice, in one accord, we come before you, Almighty God, and we give you thanks for laying down your life at Calvary. So each and every one of us this morning could have life and have it to the full. So Lord, as we take of this wafer, bless every head bowed in your presence, I pray. In Jesus' name. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. You are worthy. Thank you, Lord. And after the same manner also, he took the cup. And we had stopped saying this cup is a New Testament in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread, and drink this cup you do show the Lord's death until he come what a hope that is Lord what a hope we have in Jesus oh Lord we do thank you for the day and hour that you saved us because before that hour, we had no hope. But Lord, we thank you that we stand, we sit in your presence this morning having hope. And our hope is in the Lord. Because of what he accomplished at Calvary. So Lord, as we take this just, it represents the blood that was shed for each and every one of us this morning. We thank you that we're washed, cleansed in the blood of the Lamb this morning. Accept our thanks as we remember the finished work of Calvary. We remember the Christ of the cross. And hallelujah, it didn't end there. Three days later, you resurrected. A 
ascended to heaven and I seated at the right hand of the Father, interceding for each and every one of us. Thank you, Lord, today. Accept our thanks in Jesus' name. Church, I'll invite you to stand once again. We're going to um, worship together just before we come around the world. So if anyone wants to stand on their feet. In the darkness, we were waiting without hope, without light. Till from heaven you came running There with mercy in your eyes To fulfill the law and prophets To a virgin came the word From a throne of endless glory To a cradle in the dirt Praise the Son, praise the Spirit, three in one, God of glory, majesty, praise forever to the King of kings. Reveal the kingdom coming and to reconcile the lost, to redeem the whole creation. You did not despise the cross, for even in your suffering, you saw to the other side, knowing this was our salvation. Jesus, for our sake, you died. Oh, praise the Father, praise the Son, praise the Spirit, three in one, God of glory. to the King of Kings. And the morning that you rose, all of heaven held its breath, till I stole was moved for good, for the now and conquered death. And the dead rose from their tombs, the angels stood in awe for the souls of all who come to the Father are restored. And the church of Christ was born. Then this 
spirit lit the flame Now this gospel truth of old Shall not kneel, shall not fade And by this blood and in his name In his freedom I am free For the love of Jesus Christ Who has resurrected me to the King of Kings. Praise forever to the King of Kings. Thank you, church. You can take your seats and We just have a few things that we would like to highlight uh, that are that are coming up. So well, first of all, actually, we do have a kids' space that runs during our service. Um, so if you're new to our church and you're not aware of it, um, we, as you come in the door, um, there's a room on your right-hand side there that the kids go in. Literally, as you come into church and they stay there, they have their own program uh, the whole way through, and then they'll come out during the last song. So if they're primary school age, we encourage you um, to let them use that. And then any kids that are younger than that, um, that you're worried might be a bit disruptive the service or anything like that we have a parent and toddler room available there too a parent and baby room uh, where you can go and sit with your child and you can see everything you can hear everything in that room it's just out there and on the left hand side um we if you want to know anything that's going on in our church we have at a glance uh, this will tell you pretty much everything that's going on and you can get it at the info desk just at the front doors there i want to highlight a few things that are coming up first of which is tonight. So tonight, um, our 6.30 p.m. service, Kim Kelly is going to be sharing. Um, Kim's going to be sharing about the work of Staros. So we really encourage you to come along to that, to hear what that ministry is doing. You're going to hear stories of how that ministry has impacted different people. So yes, that's tonight at 6.30. On Tuesday night, we have our prayer meeting. We have Encounter on Tuesday night, and it is at 7.30 kicks off at 7.30. I'm going to be speaking um, on Tuesday night, a short thought on prayer before we gather as a church to pray. Can I encourage you, if if you know Jesus as your Savior, then it is it is so important that you come and you pray with the church. It's as simple as that. We really encourage you to come on Tuesday nights and pray with God's people. Just know that we are praying for you every week as well as we pray for the church. So we encourage you to come along on Tuesday night. Next Sunday morning at our 10.30 service, we have uh, Pastor Sean Malarkey is coming to speak. So Pastor Sean leads... Uh, 
CCI. He's the National Director of Christian Churches in Ireland, or some of you might know them as AOG, Assemblies of God, that they used to be. So that's the collection of churches that we are a part of. So that goes all across north, south, east and west of the island. And Pastor Sean's coming to speak. He's going to share a message next Sunday morning. So we really encourage you to come to that service. It's going to be a great service next Sunday. Uh, Pastor Sean's been a few times and he's such a blessing uh, to our church, to our congregation and to CCI as a whole. So we really encourage you to be there. And finally, the Academy is kicking off again on Thursday the 13th. Um, so for anybody that wants to get to know God's Word just that little bit better, who wants to be built up in God's Word, we encourage you to take part in this. The Academy, as I said, it starts on Thursday the 13th. You can get the info for that. And at a glance, there's also a sheet out there at the info desk where you can sign up to that or you can see uh, Jackie and Valerie and sign up through them. So, church, I'm just going to welcome Pastor Matt and he's going to come and bring the word. Thank you, everybody. Good morning, everybody. Thank you for being here today. Before we get into the word, uh, I'd like to just to share a thanks to uh, everybody who helped out with the Maids of Honor conference yesterday, those people that were here. Uh, it was an amazing day. Uh, lots of positive feedback about everything that happened. Uh, thank you to all the ladies who, who, put, who spent so much time putting the thing together. Uh, and, and to the men as well for coming down to prepare all the food. So I just wonder if we show appreciation. You know who you are without singling names out. And... And, and because there were so many ladies that attended yesterday, it was necessary uh, to turn the gents' bathroom into a ladies' bathroom uh, for the day. So the gents, the, the ladies have left something there. Don't be shocked, right? It's called an air freshener, okay? <laughs> and they also left hand soap in there for us as well. So don't be disturbed when you go in there. And it says, I should take responsibility for getting rid of it later, okay? This is we are continuing on with our sermon series in Matthew. Uh, that we said that the basis of the vision of our church was the invitation uh, behind us. It is we put the really the, the catchphrase, uh, the slogan, the statement that, that we want to use, which is "Come to Him and go for Him." And so over this next wee while, because we don't know how long this is going to take, we are looking at some different passages in Matthew. Uh, Matthew is not written in chronological order except for the beginning of it and the end of it. And so we're going to do the same thing. We're going to be jumping about uh, at different passages of Matthew that we believe is helpful to us as a church because the Word of God always has something to say to each and every one of us. And so I, I'm going to begin today right at the beginning in Matthew chapter 1 verse 1 and, and, and we're just going to get straight into this just uh, to say so Matthew 1 verses 1 to 17 said this is the genealogy of Jesus the Messiah the son of David the son of Abraham Abraham was the father of Isaac Isaac the father of Jacob Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers Judah the father of Perez and Sarah 
whose mother was Tamar, Perez the father of Hezron, Hezron the father of Ram, Ram the father of Amidab, Amidab the father of Nashon, Nashon the father of Salmon, Salmon the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab, Boaz the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth, Obed the father of Jesse, and Jesse the father of King David. David was the father of Solomon, whose mother had been Uriah's wife. Solomon the father of Rehoboam, Rehoboam the father of Abijah, Abijah the father of Asa, Asa the father of Jehoshaphat, Jehoshaphat the father of Jehoram, Jehoram the father of Uzziah, Uzziah the father of Jotham, Jotham the father of Ahaz, Ahaz the father of Hezekiah, Hezekiah the father of Manasseh, Manasseh the father of Amon, Amon the father of Josiah and Josiah the father of Jeconia and his brothers at the time of the exile to Babylon. After the exile to Babylon, Jeconia was the father of Sheltal, Sheltal the father of Zerubbabel, Zerubbabel the father of Abuhud, Abuhud the father of Eliakim, Eliakim the father of Azor, Azor the father of Zadok, Zadok the father of Achim, Achim the father of Elihud, Elihud the father of Eliza, Eliza the father of Matah, Matan the father of Jacob, Jacob the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary. Mary was the mother of Jesus, who is called the Messiah. Thus there were 14 generations in all, from Abraham to David, 14 to David, to the exile to Babylon, and 14 from the exile to the Messiah. Now, thank you. That's very kind of you. Uh, at 6.45 this morning I was sitting with a cup of coffee trying to read those through and I needed much prayer. If you've ever heard anything on the Christmas story, most preachers, myself included, and you will understand why everybody begins at verse 18. You will look at the first 17 verses of Matthew, indeed the first 17 verses of the New Testament and say, we'll just skip over that. We'll get to the important bit which is verse 18 when Jesus is born. But this has to have been put there for a reason. This has to have been put there for, uh, for the readers to understand it. Whenever the New Testament was put together, uh, whenever it was decided, obviously, by, uh, the, the, by, by the, the people and, and God, what was going to go in the order of it, there must have been a reason why this was first. I mean, there must have been a reason why. Why would we put this first and stuff and so we're going to look at this uh, today and stuff and just take a look at why this is important uh, this is the genealogy of Jesus and your genealogy is your line of descent who you came from your, your ancestors uh, we all come descend from somebody mothers and fathers all of us have got and then extended family uh, beyond that and uh, you know and obviously when we come to our family tree you know there, there are some that we mention and there are some that we don't mention there are some that we talk about there's some that we don't talk about everybody has people in the family tree that are like you know that's the uncle we never talk about that's the mad auntie you know what I mean I'm sorry if you're an auntie in here but that that's it and there was a BBC series and called Who Do You Think You Are? And uh, they had famous people trace their family tree. They would travel to different areas, met different people, uh, following in their ancestors' footsteps, family secrets, forgotten stories and things like that. And uh, this is big business now on the internet. You can go onto the internet, you can pay money and stuff, and, and you try and trace your family tree. 
you know, who have you descended from? You know, what, what, where, who have you come from? You know, where have you come from? And, that, and obviously when you discover that, you know, there are some things that, you know, you're glad you found out. And there are other things that you know, let's just keep that where it is, do you know what I mean? We don't know this. My mum and my sister decided to do this and thought it would be a good idea to chase a family tree in Birmingham, obviously where I'm from, until they discovered way back in the 1940s had two uncles that were uh, the leading criminals in North Birmingham. And so what they then decided to do is not look back any further. And some of you are laughing, you can relate to it, can't you? Because your family and stuff and, and so when you come to this with, uh, with, with the genealogy here it's all the people and you know and, and from the outset here we have to say this uh, these are the people that, that are Jesus's descendants ancestors and as we look at this today there are some dodgy characters in here there, there are some dodgy people and we're going to look at this but this is the opening verses of not just Matthew but the New Testament and it's a strange way to start the first book I mean we know there are four gospels written you know, Matthew, Mark begins with, this is the beginning of the good news about Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet. Even that sentence there just draws you in just to sit and, oh, I wonder what this is about. Luke begins with this, many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us. He's detailing a record of who Jesus is and what has happened. I mean, John gets it because John writes his a bit further on, so there's a bit more time to sit down and, and he says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. With God in the beginning, through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. Now you might think that would have been the best one to start with, do you know what I mean? He's got a bit of, ooh, yes, I could take this and stuff. But they don't. They begin with Matthew. And they begin with this family tree, this genealogy, the description of who Jesus is. Matthew has a certain, um, not, I suppose, advantage is the word. Matthew and John were the disciples who travelled with Jesus. Luke researched his from eyewitnesses and is chronological. It goes from beginning to end. Mark wrote his from Peter's experience. I mean, Matthew was a tax collector. The story of him is found in Matthew chapter 9. Uh, and actually, uh, out of anything else, he's qualified to write this letter, this account of Jesus' life and teachings. A tax collector of the day, though they were hated, uh, they must know Greek and they must be literate and well organised. They must be able to keep records. So obviously some people think that Matthew was a recorder among the disciples and he took notes of Jesus' teaching. Some say that when Matthew followed Jesus, he left everything behind except his pen and paper. That he actually used that literary skill to write the accounts and the stories of Jesus. It always makes me think when I think of somebody like Matthew, you know, God doesn't waste anything in our lives, does he? He always uses everything that we have, even though he's a tax collector and hated he said pen and paper able to record uh, Jesus' eyewitness account of everything that went on. And Matthew's Gospel, just to give some background, it wasn't, it wasn't the first one written, though it is the first one uh, that's in the New Testament. We know there is a Jewish flavour, we've said this over the last few weeks, and it makes that transition from the Old Testament to the New Testament. 
He says, we have to understand as Christians that we've got to be both Old Testament and New Testament. We're, we're Bible Christians. Sometimes people would focus on the New Testament and say, well, that's the only thing that really speaks to me today. You know, the Old Testament tells us about Jesus, but the New Testament explains to us who Jesus was and why he came. He reveals him. So we're, we're full Bible people. And so here in this, this Jewish character of the gospel is evident in many ways that Matthew understood the culture of the day and understood that the people would know what he was talking about. You know, the first verses of Matthew and indeed the first verse of the New Testament is simply a fulfillment of prophecy, isn't it? It just opens up that this is a genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. And if we only just took that one verse this morning, there would be enough in that because the Bible just, Matthew has one theme, it's Jesus Christ. That's it. From beginning to end, it's who Jesus is and why Jesus came and how he fits in with everything, how he has come to explain everything, how there is a new way of saying things and doing things because Jesus has come. Alistair Begg says this, he says, we find Christ in all the scriptures in the Old Testament. He is predicted in the Gospels, he is revealed. In Acts, he is preached. In the Epistles, he is explained. And in Revelation, he is expected see genealogies family trees were, ex were extremely important to the jewish people of the time because it mattered who you came from and there was evidence that was written up i mean what would happen is you know much like when you have a newborn baby today you have to register the birth and it was the same then it had to be registered at the temple because keeping records was so important to the Jews so the record of the birth of any baby would be kept in the temple so they could look back over the records to see who it is that this person came from because it was so important that mattered and it mattered in the life of Jesus it mattered when Jesus came because Matthew tries to explain this that Matthew will write this book with the his fellow Jewish readers in mind because he wants to back up the claim that Jesus is the Messiah he would have to start by showing that Jesus is the legitimate descendant of both David and Abraham it wasn't enough just to say here he is he's arrived well show us where he's come from show us who he's come from that was important, that was essential in everything that was happening. It's not enough just to say, and the danger is sometimes you say, well, I just know it to be true. He says, you know, we can actually prove who Jesus was as a historical figure in, in, in history. You know, that he was somebody who lived and died and rose again, proving it in historical terms. And Matthew does this right from the outset here, right from the first thing to prove the truth of who Jesus was. And he does two things because he's declared him as the Messiah, but then he said this, he's, he's, he said he's the son of Abraham. Now descending from Abraham made sure his claim to be truly Jewish was confirmed. And that was so important and so essential that he was the chosen one, but he had to have that pure bloodline. You know, I'm sure if we traced our family lives, trees back, you know, we would look and there's a little bit of this in there and a little bit of that. And, you know, there's a, I have some Scottish in me and, and things. I always say this, actually. I says, I was born in England with a Welsh surname and I got saved in Scotland and called to Northern Ireland. 
I'm more British than any of you. <laughs> and yeah, if we look at that and we see that, that all of us can trace our, our, our lineage back and stuff, but for Jesus it was so important that actually it had to be truly Jewish. There could be nothing mixed in. And so this is why Matthew does this. We read this and sometimes skip over to verse 18. Why read the first 17 verses? Just very confusing names that we can't say. But actually Matthew does it for a reason right from the outset. Because the, old, the New Testament has one theme, doesn't it? Jesus Christ. So right from the beginning he's saying this is who he is. This is who he's come from. This is where he's come from. And so he says he descends from Abraham to make sure his claim to be truly Jewish was confirmed. And then he descends from David to make sure his claim to be the Messiah was confirmed. The Messiah, the Christ, the chosen one, the anointed one. That was so important that, that this is who I am. This is what I've come for. And you see, we see this. It's a fulfillment of the prophecy given in 2 Samuel 7, 16. Your house and your kingdom will endure forever before me. Your throne will be established forever. You see, Matthew's mention of Abraham and David is significant for another reason. They represented God's two great covenants uh, with the nation of Israel. The first, God's covenant with Abraham, declared Israel to be his chosen people with a promise to bless them greatly. And this was the fulfillment. Jesus was the fulfillment of that promise because that promise is fulfilled in Christ. And I've said this many times because it's so true that Jesus Christ is the fulfiller and the fulfillment of God's promises. If you read it in the Old Testament, it is fulfilled in the New Testament. It's why it's so important to study our Bibles. Because when we read it in the Old and we have no explanation of it, it says we go to the new and we discover the explanation of it there because God always has a plan and he had a plan from the beginning that Jesus would be the fulfiller and the fulfillment of all God's promises. And he fulfills these, these covenants, these promises that were made. Uh, and Jesus does that. And you see, the Jews kept these extensive genealogical records. And so for us, it's not unwise to trust such records because actually they could have turned around, any of them, the, the critics of Jesus, and said, well, we can view these as public. It's a public thing. It's public, we can go, public information. We can go and see. But none of them ever did. Why? Because they believed it to be true. They may not have believed that Jesus was the Son of God who had come as the Messiah and the Savior, but they couldn't deny the family tree. Because it was there on public record. It was there for everybody to see. You just had to go up to the temple and say, listen, can I find out the record here uh, of this Jesus of Nazareth? And it follows it back. And so they're secure in that. And so they might not believe the one side of Jesus. They have to believe where he came from and who he came from. Because that was true. It, it was fact. And so from the outset, he was presenting Jesus as the Messiah, the son of David and the son of Abraham. And the gospel elaborates his truth all the way through because it helps people as, they, as people, they hit controversies with people. Because people are always trying to deny Jesus. People are always trying to say, well, there's no place in 2022. Jesus Christ is still changing people's lives today. But we can always give a historical explanation of him as well. We could always say for who he was and where we lived and why he lived. There's a historical side 
to it as well. And this is what we find here. You see, the genealogy came through the father, but notice in verse 17, Joseph, the husband of Mary. And this new phraseology makes it clear that, that Matthew does not regard Jesus as Joseph's sons physically. Uh, simply that he just simply said this is because we know and this is where the virgin birth is tied in that we believe as born again believers that the Joseph wasn't Jesus' father physically uh, he was the husband of Mary uh, and, and so therefore Matthew writes this because he wants to show that Jesus is directly descended from both Abraham and King David making him a legal heir to the throne of Israel and see, verse 18 goes on because it tells the story of Jesus' birth through Joseph. And Joseph is one of my heroes in the New Testament. He never says a word. He's silent. You know, there's no recorded word of him. But on four occasions, for one of a better thing, call it the Christmas story, God tells him to do something, and he goes and does it four times. Not a word, not a, I don't want to, he just says, Mary, Mary, Mary. He says, take, take your family here. And he just goes and does it. It's one of my heroes because he's just, uh, there's that obedience that he has. But we'll come on to that another time. Because Joseph had planned to divorce the woman he was to marry. But once he found out she was carrying a child that wasn't his, God interrupts his plans. An angel tells Joseph in a dream that this child is from the Holy Spirit. Commands Joseph to name him since Jesus will save his people from their sins. Matthew sums up his genealogy in a very specific way, a specific theme that he had in mind. Because Matthew doesn't set out to make an extensive genealogy. He wants to remember, he wants people to remember. He wants people to remember the list in a sense. That you know the people would have looked at that and said, this is who Jesus came from. Uh, and we see that here that he's interested in making this historical and legal case that Jesus has a legitimate claim to be all three things that he says in the first verse. He is the Messiah. He is the son of David. He is the son of Abraham. And Matthew sets out to make that point, that legitimate claim to say this is who he is, a direct descendant of both Abraham and David. And all the way through Matthew's gospel, he asserts this, that Jesus is the fulfillment of God's promises. All the way through the gospel. And he sets out to build his genealogy in a way that would be easier to follow, easier to remember. We remember lists, don't we? And you think about it, we remember the lists that we have. We remember important things that matter to us. Banks, Cohen, Wilson, Charlton, Moore. Peters. But you know what I'm talking about, don't you? The England 1966 World Cup team. We remember things like that because they put out in lists. Matthew does this here, he just says this is a list that we're going to remember. And so he created three sections, each with 14 names, in it? Now it doesn't mean there was only 14 generations between it. Matthew is omitting some people, he's leaving some people out. It's a specific thing that he wants to fit in to the history here. And so the readers would have known that 14 generations are included in each says So most of them occurred in history. But there's the sections that we see because he wants to prove that there is this line that comes back. You know, when you read the book of Luke, there's a genealogy in there. And it's longer because it goes all the way back to Adam. 
And the reason it goes, one, it goes through Mary's descendants, but it goes back to Adam because Luke is writing about the redeemer of mankind. And you see, in that culture, in Old Testament thought, in all of that, you could only be a redeemer of a family member who had fallen on hard times if you were related to them. Luke goes all the way back to Adam as the first man to say Jesus qualifies to be the redeemer of all mankind because he's related to everybody. They argue that physically to say he's come from Adam. And so these genealogies and these family trees are extremely important here. Uh, and these omissions, uh, they're not uncommon. Uh, and we see that 14. Now, now this, is not a, this is not a field I'm going to die on. It's just something of interest. So I'm going to share it with you, okay? And then before you all think I'm nuts, but some of you think that anyway. <laughs> that number 14 in Hebrew represents deliverance or salvation. The 14th day of the first month is the Passover when God delivered the firstborn of Israel from death. Some 430 years earlier on the night of day 14 of the first month God made two covenant promises to Abraham. The first covenant promise concerned his physical seed Isaac and his descendants. The second promise concerned Jesus Christ and the sons of God who would come through him, who would shine like the stars of heaven. On day 14 of the first month in 30 AD, Jesus Christ, God manifested in the flesh, the only begotten Son of God, the Father, and the Lamb of God to take away the sin of the world, was crucified as a perfect sacrifice to save mankind from sin. That's the number 14. Now, before you think, oh, it's all that, hey, that's fairly significant. It's not a field I'm going to die on, but when I read that, I look at that and think there is no coincidence here. There is nothing by chance here that has been written, that everything that is written is written with a specific thought in mind, that actually it was to prove who Jesus was, that actually God hasn't just done something randomly and hope that it all fits together in the end so when people look back at it and say oh yeah I can see where God is in all of this it's not coincidence God has worked to an exact plan a timeline to reveal his son Jesus Christ to send his son Jesus Christ for all of mankind and so this genealogy that we read and it's also important for the second reason because there are four women in it and women were never mentioned in the ancient genealogies. The four mentioned here are worthy of special note uh, as examples of God's grace. Because when they looked at it, you went back through the male descendants. But here with Jesus, there, 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 there's four women. See, women always got to get involved, don't they? Always. Amen. And so there's four women here. And, and actually, when you look at it, each of them has a, a story. Uh, the first one that we see is, is Tamar and she sold herself as a prostitute to her father-in-law Judah to bring forth Perez and Zerah. Now if that was in your family line that happened, you know what you would do with that. Let's just leave that one over there. That, that's from the other side of the family. You know, that's what you would do. You wouldn't say that, but it doesn't. It's here as clear as anything. Okay, let's bring on the second woman. There might be an improvement here, the name of the second woman, just to sort of clear all this up. Rahab, right, okay. 
She was a Gentile prostitute for whom God took extraordinary measures to save from both judgment and a lifestyle of prostitution. This is not getting any better, is it? In the family line, you're discovering there's these people in there and you thought, you know, I wanted to pick just these, you know, the normal people, you know, the people that have done just these things. And this is in the timeline, the family tree of Jesus. Oh, so now we come then, and then the third is, oh, this is not a bad one, Ruth. All Ruths are good, aren't they? <laughs> aren't they? Yeah. She was from Moab, a Gentile, until a conversion uh, out into the covenant of Israel. So we're getting better there. So with this, and, and so with the three women there, so that's good. So Ruth is maybe the good one out of this. But then we come on to and Bathsheba. And though her name is not mentioned, it's mentioned by implication. Uh, because Matthew has a peculiar way of referring to her as Uriah's wife and simply maybe that be an attempt to to focus on the fact that Uriah was not an Israelite but a Hittite you see I think Matthew is demonstrating something really important here uh, that Jesus Christ was not royalty according to human perception that actually in this family tree there were people because that's the way people are that not necessarily everything was black and white there was a lot of grey stuff going on there was some immorality and cheating and all of this stuff going on and yet this fits in to the, the family tree, the timeline of Jesus because Jesus identifies with sinners in his genealogy. Though he was without sin, he identifies with some of these people who have dodgy stories. But in his birth, his baptism, his life and his death on the cross, this is simply about people, isn't it? Says his family tree is about people. I mean, for us, we would have lined it up as just the perfect people, then Jesus came along. Matthew doesn't do that. I mean, to present a story. I mean, if you were going to write a story about somebody, it says you're not going to pick all the juicy stuff to start with. Well, maybe you might like, but because that would keep people interested. And here, Matthew doesn't excuse any of that. He says, this is his family tree. Let's not cover it up. If we're leaving some people out, let's leave these out. Oh no, we're bringing these in. We're bringing these in for a reason. Because these four women have an important place in the genealogy of Jesus. Firstly, because there is a new place for women under the new covenant. You see, in that culture of the day, men often had little regard for women. And all of these men and women, notorious for their evil character, some obvious moral failings, lie in this direct line of descent that this was permitted because Jesus Christ was coming for the human race but he was representing the human race and in representing the human race there is just some mess isn't there there is just some baggage there is just some stuff that everybody has and nobody comes clean do they nobody comes without anything we all come with something it's why our church says, come and take a seat with the rest of us. Because your baggage is not my baggage, my baggage is not your baggage. But where's the best place to sort this out, church, to give God the opportunity? And it's illustrated here in the family tree of Jesus Christ. Because right from the outset, Jesus who came to offer grace and forgiveness from God to humanity through his own life, death and resurrection, begins it in his family tree in the line of who he's come from to say as though Matthew was saying this is what Jesus is about this is what he's come for it's in his past 
these people that are descendants of him. And he's come to this point. Matthew understands this. Why? Because he's involved in a profession considered despicable. The tax collector for the Romans. You know, Matthew would have understood and appreciated God's ability to use sinners to accomplish his will. Because Jesus comes one day while Matthew is collecting taxes. Says to him, come follow me. He'll be like, what me? Well, surely there must be better fellas than the Jerusalem Bible College or whatever they called it. He says, no, he says, come follow me. It's no wonder Matthew said, he says he immediately got up and followed Jesus, left everything behind. Matthew understood that. Why? Because of his profession. And you see, Matthew is clearly not interested in protecting the reputation of Jesus' human ancestry. Actually, he goes out of his way almost, in a sense, to declare him as who he is and where he's come from. Uh, that actually there are some d d d characters in his family tree. There were some people here. Although Jesus never sinned, the Bible never suggests that the human line he was born into was any more or less sinful than the rest of humanity. Because the purpose of Jesus is fulfilled in this. He says Jesus came to die for sinners. He didn't come to die for the perfect people because there are none. He came to die for sinners. And Matthew just shares this. He says this from the beginning. The well-respected, the Jew and the Gentile, men and women, all of them in together from the outset of the first 17 verses. This is the family tree. And all the way through the gospel, Matthew presents him as the one who is hope, has hope, and is the fulfillment of hope. Hope is a wonderful word. The world needs more of it today. It's found in one place. His name is Jesus Christ. And, uh, and Matthew presents that as Jesus as a fulfillment of what everybody's looking for. You might be here today thinking to yourself, I don't know what it is about life. That, what is the purpose, the meaning of life? It's found in Jesus Christ. It's the fulfillment of everything that you're looking for. He's written in the 28 chapters that he writes when he writes about this man, Jesus Christ. But Matthew does this as well. He presents him as the plan of God from the beginning. That his life and his death and resurrection are all the purpose of God. There's no coincidence in this. There's no accident in this. You know, there's no coincidence in your life. And you're not an accident. You ever just stumbled upon here today. God has a plan. Is a record there uh, and, and we read it, we skip over it most of the time because we just want to get to the Christmas story and, and just share about the baby Jesus. But this bit is so important because we can't explain the rest of it without this bit. We can't explain this is who Jesus was and who he's come from. That's why we have to read this bit. And Matthew pre presents his mission to proclaim the good news that we looked at. Last week, Jesus is revealed in Matthew to one theme from the beginning to the end. Jesus is glorified in Matthew. Jesus is crucified in Matthew. Jesus is resurrected in Matthew. They invite the worship team to come up as we just get ready to finish this. Two important things. Because this story, this gospel is about Jesus Christ. 
at the beginning of the gospel, the wise men that go looking for Jesus, when they find him, they fall down and worship him. Right at the beginning of the story of this, Matthew 28, which is the final chapter, it says Jesus has died, is resurrected, tells the disciples to meet him on the mountainside before he gives them the great commission. It says this, and it connects the beginning of Matthew to the end of the Matthew. The wise men fell down and worshipped him. At the end, it says the disciples saw him and worshipped him. That's the connection all the way through. Matthew is writing about a man called Jesus, who is the Son of God, who is worthy of our worship. He is the theme, the character, the story of the Gospel of Matthew. And in the beginning, when they find Jesus, they worship him. At the end, when the disciples find Jesus, they worship him. Tells us what to do, doesn't it? He says, because of what Jesus has done for us, as we have heard so wonderfully at the table this morning. And through the worship today, he's worthy of our worship. From the beginning to the end. He says, that's what this is about. So I hope you get something out of that because that lays the foundation for the rest of it. And listen, you're not an accident. There's no coincidence. Jesus came for you. For each and every one of us. There's none of us outside. We're all on the inside. We just come and we say, thank you, Jesus, for coming. Let us pray. Father, we come before you. Father, we're reminded as we read your word today, and Father, maybe it's not a familiar passage or a passage we skip over. Every word of your scripture has something to say to us. But Father, as we are here this morning as your church, Father, when they found Jesus in chapter 2, they fell down and worshipped him. When they came to Jesus in chapter 28, they worshipped him. As we stand in living hope on October the 1st, 2022, as we hear about Jesus, as we read about Jesus, we worship him as well. And we just thank you. Thank you, Father God, for sending your son to be our saviour, to be our redeemer, to be the Messiah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Amen. 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 Church, I invite you to stand. We're going to close our service by a second again. You were the word at the beginning. One with God, the Lord most high. You hid in glory. Now revealed in you are Christ What a beautiful name it is What a beautiful name it is The name of Jesus Christ my King What a beautiful name it is Nothing compares to this What a beautiful name it is
the name of Jesus. You didn't want heaven without us. So Jesus, you brought heaven down. My sin was great, your love was greater. What a wonderful name it is, the name of Jesus Christ, my King. What a wonderful name it is, nothing compares to this. What a wonderful name it is, the name of Jesus. close in prayer. Lord, we thank you for our gathering this morning. God, we thank you for how you have moved in our church. Lord, we thank you for your word. Thank you, God, for the absolute truth that we hear. God, we thank you for your son, Jesus. We thank you for 
all that was fulfilled through him, all that continues to be fulfilled through him. And Lord, we thank you that we are a part of it. God, we thank you that we are a part of all of this. And Lord, we just thank you that you use us. Thank you that you speak to us. And God, we pray that as we would part, would, would what has been said stay with us? And Lord, would we share it? Would we go and would we tell people about what we have experienced in Jesus Christ? Lord, thank you for the position in which we find ourselves. Lord, we are careful to give you all the praise, all the glory and all the honor. In your son Jesus' holy and precious name we pray. Amen.